Okay, so this is about a, a person who was new to Guatemala and uh, who's a, a vicar, an intern. And he was preaching on this text and he wanted to say that he was not worthy to untie the straps, as it says in, in the gospel, to untie the laces of Jesus' sandals. The word for sandals is sandalias. He said sandias, which is watermelon. <laughs> so as the people were getting ready to hear this text, they found John the Baptist unworthy to loosen the strap from Jesus' watermelons. <laughs> Talking about cultural phrases, though, I love language, and you all know that. I like cultural phrases. I used to have a go to the bookstore and found this dictionary, and I never bought it, and I wish I had. But phrases such as, pull the wool over your eyes. You know, pull the wool over someone's eyes. When did that start? Well, it started at the time of the colonies, when the judges wore wigs. And to deceive someone was to pull the wool over the judge's eyes. That interesting. Or you give someone the cold shoulder. Well, everyone sat down to dinner. Nobody ate the shoulder, but if you were late and you came in, that's what you got. The cold shoulder to eat. So it was like, don't pay any attention to them, give them the cold shoulder. Then there's phrases like piss poor. You know? Piss poor. To be piss poor means you're pretty darn poor. But it comes from a time when people would collect urine for use in tanneries. And if you were poor, that's all you could do was sell your urine. If you're so poor, you can't even pee. That's piss poor. And along with that, you don't have a bucket to piss in, right? That's even poor yet. <laughs> How poor can you get? One, you don't have urine. The other one, you don't even have a bucket. So you can't even sell it to the tanneries. Well, there's one that sticks in my mind, particularly today. Let's throw the baby out with the bathwater. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. This last one reminds me of baptism. Because to baptize means to wash. Well, there's lots of different words in the New Testament for wash. Baptize is one of them that Jesus chose, and so did the apostles, to signify what washing was. And today we celebrate that baptism. But the mere mention of the word baptism can cause us certain problems. I think a common temptation when we hear the word baptism is to truncate it and make it just a symbol. Something that happened to us a long time ago. Been there, done that. Sort of a knowledge-based thing. I know what it means I know I'm a child of God. I know I'll go to heaven. Instead of an experience or a life-changing event. 
Like, yes, we, know, we now belong to God. Yes, he is our father. Yes, we have eternal life. We are accustomed to thinking about it. We're not accustomed to thinking about it or using it every day. Well, to avoid that, I want to unpack our texts for today in Isaiah, in Romans, and in Luke. But let's start with Jesus' setting in the Gospel of Luke. You know, Jesus and John the Baptist were cousins. They're now 30 years old. They had play dates, probably. Their mothers probably organized some time for them to get together. We know they visited each other quite regularly. And maybe they separated a bit over the years as they became teenagers and grew up. Jesus became a carpenter. John became an aesthetic and lived in the wilderness as a prophet, eating locusts and honey. Maybe that's why they kicked him out of the house. Maybe he was a little crazy. Go off in the wilderness, like my mother used to say, go in traffic and play, play, play in traffic. You know, just go in the wilderness. Anyway, John was a prophet. John's message was a call to repentance. And that's what prophets did. And that's what Isaiah 42 is about before we get to our text today. Isaiah says, who handed Jacob over to the robber? Who handed Israel over to the looters? Was it not the Lord against whom we sinned? They refused to follow his commands. They disobeyed his law. So he poured out his fierce anger on them along with the devastation of war. Its flames encircled them, but they did not realize it. It burned against them, but they did not take it to heart. So the people of Israel had sinned against God and continually broke their covenant with him. So therefore, exile, calamity, destruction, death, leaving Jerusalem. The call to repentance was the mark of the prophet. And John was doing just that. Not one day, but every day he would go out. You can see what he was up against, though, with the people. In a few verses before our text in Luke, the people felt pretty secure. They merely considered themselves sons of Abraham. By being a member of Israel, they were saved. They were all sons of Abraham. Why would they have to repent? But John says to everyone, and he says it right there in the verses, they will be cut off. They do not obey God's law. Children, God can raise up from stones, Luke says. The message was like Isaiah 42. Just look at what our text said moments ago. So he was calling everyone. John was down by the river. There were tax collectors as well. And there were Roman soldiers as well. So it wasn't just Jewish people that John was calling. It was everyone. Now, I have a picture here. I hope everybody can see it. We had some faltering AV stuff going on. For those who can't see, I'll pass around this little picture right here. So something similar. We all imagine that John was right smack dab in the river, but actually it was probably off to the side where it filled up with water and then went down. So it was kind of got a, a tributary, but it was a place. You got to remember this is in the desert, right? So we're not talking a ton of water. 
we're talking just a small place. Now, if you read up on it, you'll see that the water has, over the years, become very polluted. And so, where Christian groups would go there before and be baptized, I don't think they're allowing that anymore from all the diseases that could happen from the unclean water. But anyway, that gives an idea where John was. I wonder what it was like for John on that day when he went out to call to repentance and to wash those who repented. Our text says that all the people, and it says it a number of times, all the people came to him. So there was something special about him that wasn't going on in other areas. At least these 400 years after prophecy was cut off from Israel. Tax collectors came, women, men, even soldiers asked what they should do to avoid the coming wrath of God. Well, they heard John's message, and as our text says, they were filled with anticipation. They were filled with expectation. They thought that he was the one who was going to deliver them. They thought he was the Messiah. They thought he might be the one who was going to rescue them. But on the other hand, I also wonder what the people's confession was. What about John convicted them to go into the water? Prestige? Wonder? Got nothing to lose? Wanting to be a part of something bigger? Important? Or was it because they knew he was right? Were they convicted that they too had drifted from God and had sinned and part of not only the action of sinning, but being born into sin? He was telling the truth about me, perhaps some of them said. What sins were they harboring? What sadness were they feeling? Perhaps what loneliness? What did they want to change about their life? in relationship to God that led them to go into the water, from what did they want to be clean? They went down, all of them, it says, and they were washed. Then, Jesus, then John looks up, and he sees Jesus. Now, he knows Jesus. He played with him. He grew up with him. Jesus' mother Mary and John's mother Elizabeth obviously knew him to be the Messiah because of the visit of the angel. John believed that as well, and he knew it to be true, which is why when he comes to be baptized, John says, I am unworthy. And from the other Gospels, we read that John says, I need to be baptized by you, not you to be baptized by me. But Jesus says, let it be for now, so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. Well, here things get a little bit twisted up for John. What does Jesus mean coming to be baptized? What does Jesus mean that all righteousness must be fulfilled? He is righteousness. He is the Son of God. You see, even though there was faith in Christ before his crucifixion and resurrection, People did not know just how the Messiah 
was going to come or redeem them or save them. There were lots of different interpretations and theories going on. But Jesus insists and goes down into the water. And Jesus is the last one baptized. And at this point, I wonder about that phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. That phrase sticks in my head because in days of old, this phrase got started because there wasn't a lot of water or you had to bring water in from the river and you put it in one tub and heated it up. And the workers and old people were washed first, then the younger, and the baby was the last one. And by that time, the water was completely filthy, and you couldn't see the baby, so you didn't want to throw the baby out with the bath water. So Jesus is the last one to be baptized. And it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of water in these places. He goes down into the murky water after all of the others are washed and is bathed in the filth and the grime of those who left their dirt there. Why? Why didn't Jesus go first? He went to be covered because this is what the Son of God does. He goes to be covered in our filth. As our text says in Isaiah, he goes through the waters with us. The one who created them, the Jews, goes through the water with them. This is the Son of God, not born of kings, not the son of the high priest, didn't sleep in a feather bed, who was announced to shepherds and foreigners and not priests and rabbis. This is the one who bathes in the bathwater of sinners. And this is pleasing to God. This is my beloved son. In him I am well pleased. In other words, he met the expectations that no one else can do. The only one who could wash sins so that all righteousness might be fulfilled it was not just the saying, well, baptize me now as a symbol of who I am, the righteous one of God. He was baptized for our righteousness, not his own. He went into the water for our salvation, not for his, not just a show, just not a proof that he was the son of God. Like the Gentile soldiers who looked on, though, we are a part of John's call. John's call is to all of creation. If you were there today, what sins do you harbor? What sins do you want to leave in the water? What do you want to walk away from in your life?
and be free from. Why would you go into the water? We are born on the other side of the crucifixion and resurrection. We know who Jesus is. We go because he is in the waters of our washing. He is the one who is in our baptism. He takes on our filth. He takes on our sins. He is the one who bathes us with his righteousness. In sinful nature, he was clothed in the incarnation. In sinful flesh and blood to step into our murky lives filled to the brim of the tub with flesh and blood of our filth. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans. That's why Paul says, Do you not know that those who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Our baptism baptism is to Christ does not merely wash away dirt from our external flesh and blood from our sin. Our flesh and blood, our old nature, our natural nature, our sinful nature, that which we can look at and pinch, dies in that water. The washing with Christ kills it, destroys it, destroys sin, And the result of death. As Paul says, we know that our old man was crucified with him. That's in the water. So that the body of sin would no longer dominate us. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the death he died. He died to sin once and for all. Because he became like us. He has conquered death, the end result of our sin-filled flesh and blood, with his righteousness. The death he died, he died to sin. Mortal flesh died. It's not mere imagery. It's not a symbol. It's not a turn of phrase. Paul says it again to the Corinthians. So if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Behold, what is new has come. And in Romans 8, he says, But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is your life because of righteousness. This then is your life now. We do not say I was baptized. It's not something that merely happened once. It is not an initiation. We say rather I am baptized because it is what we live in every day. We as Christians live in Christ's righteousness. Our bodies and sinful nature is dead. We are in him a new creation. We are in him the new Adam resurrected from death. As a new man new woman we come out of the waters of baptism. And this is our life. Baptized he has given us his name. 
His righteousness, His eternal life, His forgiveness. He has created us anew, something that we could not and cannot do to ourselves. Even though we still have this flesh and bone and muscles and blood, which is sold to sin and tempts us every day and lurks in the corners when we're not looking to say, go ahead. You could do that. You can live that way. God will forgive you. That's when we need to remember our baptism. But I am baptized. I am a child of God. And I do not need to follow you, O temptation. And although that has been laid to rest, our sinful self, and has no power over us, it must daily be reminded through repentance that it is dead. Or like a weed, it'll crop up again, even after you pull it out. This then is baptism, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. We are known by his name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We are known to God only as the new creation resurrected in our baptism, to new life through Christ's own death and resurrection. Live each day and every day, drowning that old Adam in the waters of your baptism and rising to life in the forgiveness of sins. Amen. And if any of you is not baptized, as I'm assuming everyone is, and wishes to have this seal of God's promise, please talk with me. Amen. If you're interested in knowing more about Jesus Christ or about Grace Lutheran Church, please go to www.gracealoneonline.org. You can email us at gracealoneonline at gmail.com.